Hello everyone and welcome to SCC Anywhere. My name is Terry Austria and I'm one of the staff members at Stone Creek Church. And I have the privilege of bringing the message today as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments that Pastor Ricky started a few weeks ago. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 20 and we're going to be picking up the actions as the Israelites are leaving Egypt, they're crossing the desert on their way to the Promised Land and they decide to set up their camp at the base of Mount Sinai. It's at this time that God decides to start having a conversation with his people about a new way of living their lives. So what we're gonna focus on today is what we traditionally call the fourth commandment. So we see here in verse eight, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now the Sabbath is something that we've all heard about. We're aware of it, but I'm afraid that sometimes we're a little bit too dismissive of it. We don't take it seriously enough. And I'll be honest with you, I'm probably one of the worst offenders when it comes to recognizing the Sabbath. But as I've prepared for this message, it's been a very interesting and convicting time. And I believe that I'm ready to make some substantial changes in my life. But let's ask ourselves, how important is the Sabbath to God? Well, at the time that God is conveying this message to his people, it says that he descended from heaven onto Mount Sinai, which is accompanied by a lot of explosions of fire. The ground begins to shake. There's lightning and there's thunder and boulders begin to get shattered. The people are so terrified by God's presence that they asked Moses to speak to God directly and through him so that they didn't have to speak to God directly face to face. So obviously, if God's going to be doing his opening act that way, there's something important that he's trying to convey to them. But also we see in Exodus chapter 31 that violators of the Sabbath were going to face a very harsh and let's just say final punishment. But for a wider perspective, let's take a look at the original Sabbath and we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 verses 2 and 3. This is about the creation story as God himself with his own hands creates the heaven, the earth, and all of its inhabitants. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we're gonna look at three Hebrew words today. First of all, in verse two, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work. Now the Hebrew word for work is machana, which is an occupation, a job, or an assignment. So it's important to point out that God is not against work. But we also want to point out that work is not just for meeting our practical needs. It's very central to our purpose on this planet. But like anything else, because of the fact that we live in a sinful world, we lose track of God's directives and fall prey to the pressures of the marketplace. Now, when we talk about jobs, many times it's hitting us where we live. People, when talking about the details of their occupation, sometimes take it personally 
maybe because of insecurity, maybe they're not making enough money, they're not able to provide the way that they want to. It's an impossible race of keeping up with the Joneses. And too much of our identity and our self-worth is tied to our jobs. For other people, their jobs could be a nightmare because of toxic and emotionally abusive workplaces, because of unrealistic expectations, because of crazy hours, or the emphasis of profit over well-being. It is said that less than 50% of workers in America actually like their jobs. 83% suffer from work-related stress, and over one-third have health issues due to job stress. But it wasn't supposed to be that way. Our jobs and our occupations are supposed to be a reflection of our calling and our gifting. They're supposed to be fulfilling, not necessarily based on our needs. So if we look further in Genesis chapter 2, it says in verse 15, the Lord put him, that being Adam and later Eve, in the Garden of Eden. That means he gave them a home. Later in verse 15, he says he placed them in the garden to work and to care for it. He gave them a purpose. Verse 16 says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. God said that there would be provision of food and resources. Verse 17 says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God lovingly gives us parameters, guidelines that are for our benefit and for our protection. Verse 18 says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God gives us relationships and companionships. But it's important, again, to point out that our work and our efforts do not meet our needs. Only God himself can do that. But he also knew that we would push back against the blessings that were made available in Eden. So he decided to give us a model. Chapter 2, verse 2 of Genesis. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God decided to set an example for us of what rest really means. This is where we come up with the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to, sit, to cease and desist, to stop working. God worked for six days, creating the earth and bringing order to chaos in the universe. And then he stops. Now, did God really, really need to rest? I mean, we're talking about the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God. Well, yes, he did rest, but it wasn't a matter of napping or chilling like we like to think about. Instead, what God decided to do was another meaning for Shabbat, which means to celebrate or to delight in his creation. And this was a lesson to the Israelites. If God himself stops working, we better believe that frail, helpless humans also need to stop. What God was doing was looking at the big picture. The Israelites had endured 400 years of harsh labor at the hands of the Egyptians. They were now crossing the desert, which would eventually become a 40-year journey. They're being called to establish the kingdom of Israel. They're going to face great opposition. And obviously, at some point, they were going to be needing to rest. But God knew that his people were hard-hearted, stubborn children who needed to be forced to slow down and stop. For them, the Sabbath became a spiritual speed bump where they were ordered to refrain from work or anything that might distract them from enjoying the presence of God. 
But they were also reminded of their absolute dependence on God for their deliverance from the Egyptians, for provision with manna and quail and water, and the pillar of fire which protected them by night and kept them warm, but also the cloud that kept them safe from the sun's rays during the daytime and also protected them from invading armies. So what does this mean for us in 2023? What about us as New Testament Christians? Should we still observe the Sabbath? Or was it something that was abolished as an Old Testament practice? Well, let me point out that the Sabbath is mentioned 63 times in the Old Testament, and yet it's mentioned 56 times in the New Testament. So I think it's still pretty significant. It was also something that was introduced 4,000 years before the Mosaic Law was presented at the base of Mount Sinai. Now, we are not subject to the Jewish laws, but the wisdom of the Sabbath still remains. It's the constant reminder for us to trust in God alone for meeting our needs. Now, obviously, in the New Testament, we see a lot of controversy surrounding the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12, the religious leaders begin to chide the disciples for picking grain out of the fields on the Sabbath. But they also chide Jesus for healing a man's hand also on the Sabbath. But it's interesting to see the position of, this, of these verses in Matthew 12, which is right after Matthew eleven twenty-eight, a very familiar passage that Jesus communicates. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus was doing when he was preaching to the crowds was focusing on the heart of the Sabbath. Meanwhile, the leaders of the law were focusing on the legalities and the propriety of the law. But yet Jesus reminds us in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man and not for the Sabbath. That means the Sabbath is meant to be a blessing, not a burden or simply a law. Our work is not supposed to kill us. But let's also remember that the Sabbath is not a commandment that we are bound to, but it's a promise and a gift that we're invited to joy, enjoy. Now, the warning also goes out, if we don't accept this invitation, there's going to be consequences. Fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression, busyness, broken relationships, worn down immune systems, low energy levels, anger, emptiness, stress, weight gain or weight loss, and the chance of living outside of God's plan. Now, I don't pretend to know all the details of people's individual lives, their work situations, or what's going on in their families. So I don't want to appear insensitive. But I also know that if God wants us to practice something, he's going to make it possible and open the doors for us to participate in them. And then finally, it says in verse 15, the Lord God put him, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. This is where we see the Hebrew word nuach, from the word put. It means to rest, to take joy in, or to delight in. But it literally means to dwell with. So what God is saying when it comes to his people is, I'm going to do life with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. We're going to have a relationship. And a relational trust has always been at the heart of God's Sabbath invitation. That's why the enemy fights it so much. 
Pastor Ricky said a few weeks ago, the Ten Commandments is God showing us how to love him, to love ourselves, and how to love others. So in Matthew chapter 22, we want to read this again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So how do we filter this verse through the Sabbath? First of all, we're to delight in God. He did not separate himself from his creation. In fact, on the seventh day, he decided to revel in it. He couldn't take his eyes off of it. In fact, he says basically that he delights in us. So obviously, we sinned against God. So he devised a law, which is what we're seeing here at the base of Mount Sinai. Eventually, the Israelites are going to build the temple after the tabernacle, which is all modeled after Eden, because this is where God communicated with his people. And what he was saying with them is we're going to rest together yet again. Now, as followers of Christ, we have inherited the Sabbath. That means that we are inheriting the ultimate rest. More than the Israelites, we have a reason to rejoice. So for us, the Sabbath is about removing distractions and giving God our highest attention and our highest affection. Yes, this needs to take place every single day, but on the Sabbath day more than any others. This is where we need to be reading the word, immersing in his presence, reading books that encourage us in our faith, participating in extended times of worship and prayer, journaling. I like to make a gratitude list every time I open up my journal, things that I'm grateful to God about. But when it comes to the Sabbath, I believe that it requires intentionality. The Sabbath is the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. You know, we don't just wake up on December 25th and say, it's Christmas, let's celebrate. Obviously, it, it's at least a month for some people, it might be a couple months of planning on what they're going to be doing on Christmas, how they're going to celebrate, how they're going to decorate. So when it comes to the Sabbath, we need to plan in advance. How am I going to be recognizing the Sabbath and celebrating my relationship with God? And please let me throw this in there. Let's not waste the Sabbath by sleeping all day. Now, it's good to sleep in, it's good to get rest, but let's not waste it sleeping all day. What we need to be doing is enjoying the fruits of our labor. This is not a honey-do list day, but it's where we're to celebrate things that bring us joy and happiness. Here's some things that we may have never heard of before. When it comes to the Sabbath, maybe we can visit a museum, go on a quick day trip. If we're creative, it might be a time where we want to paint to sculpt, to draw, to compose a song, to write a poem or a short story, to carve or to build something, to unite ourselves with God's creative ability to also create something so that we can enjoy in how God wants us to be creative. Many times we want to take a long walk to observe nature, plants, wildlife, and even take a look at the sky. I remember many years ago when we had several members from the U of I track team coming to church, and one of them in particular, who was a Jewish um, atheist, he was talking about how he never wanted to join the other runners in coming to church, but one day while he was going on one of his extended runs, he looked up at the western sky and saw the sun beginning to set. And as he saw the beautiful cloud formations, he began to have an insight that someone out there had to have created all of that beauty. And this reminds me of Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that God reveals all of his 
invisible qualities, his divine nature and his power throughout nature. So as we go on these long walks, we're giving God an opportunity to show off. Let's give God room to take up residence in our lives, our families, and our neighborhoods. And this is the thought that we want to close with, that we are also to delight in people. Sabbath is realized in community, among family, friends, and even strangers, where all of us are invited to journey and to celebrate together. Shabbat Shalom is meaning peaceful Sabbath. This is a beautiful greeting among Jewish people, which is where we wish on other people peace, rest, blessing, and grace. We know that within the Sabbath, God can repair broken relationships, families, broken marriages, and heal relationships among parents and children. Again, I suggest let's plan a day trip with family and friends. Let's invite neighbors over for a cookout or a movie or a game night. If you're into sports, it'd be a great time to take in an Illini sports event, basketball or football, or to go to a, a Cubs game at Wrigley Field or a Bears game at, at Soldier Field. That might not sound spiritual to some, but Eugene Peterson, who put together the message version of the Bible, is quoted as saying, the Sabbath is a day to pray and to play. And I would even throw in there, it's also a day to party. Now, that might not sound like the most dignified to do, but I know that Jesus himself participated in a lot of dinner parties where he got together with people, not just to eat food, but to celebrate. So I want to share this thought with you. When I was in college, I'll, I'll admit it, I tended to be a workaholic. I was working on two degrees and I wanted to try and finish up in four years, or most people who do that try to do it in five or six years. But because of all the work that I had done and that I was doing, that I didn't really have time to pray. I didn't make time to pray. I was up most nights until 3 or 4 a.m. I didn't have time to minister to people. I didn't have time to hang out with friends. I didn't even have time to watch the news or read the newspaper. So I remember one night in particular on a Sunday night, um, I was being asked to do something at our Sunday evening service and my pastor was, was questioning if I was going to be there. And I said, no, I have to study for a final tomorrow. And he's like really challenging me. He's like, today is the Lord's Sabbath. You really need to be spending time in God's house and not doing work. And I started to struggle with that because I was thinking like, why am I being so concerned about a 3,000 year old law? But as he lovingly corrected me, I decided to make some changes and decided to make some important decisions. So at that moment, starting that week, I began to get up every morning at 6 a.m. to pray. But I wanted to dedicate Sundays completely to the Lord. So I would come for the morning worship service. And then when I got home, I would eat lunch with my roommates. Then we would take a nap. We would spend time hanging out. And usually we'd watch a football game after that. I did no work, I did no homework. The only thing I had to do regarding my classes was to pull out all the different syllabuses from my different classes and begin to plan out my schedule for the rest of the week, different assignments that I would do on particular days. Well, I noticed some changes taking place in my life, is that I was able to get all my homework and all my papers done. I found myself starting to get more sleep. I was getting to bed by 11 or midnight. I was able to minister to my friends. I was able to hang out and play board games and just talk with people in my, my residence hall. Now this was my ministry schedule as a student. On Monday nights, we would have our discipleship and prayer meeting. 
Tuesday nights, I would be involved with follow-up at the church. Wednesday night, I would help and lead worship at our Bible study. Thursday night would be our large group gathering, which I led and preached at. Friday night was a social gathering. Saturday night was a time to go out on the streets in, in uh, campus town to share our faith. And then we would also have a church prayer meeting and then back to Sundays where I would go to two morning services and our evening services. But yet at the end of four years, I graduated with honors with the two degrees that I was seeking after. And where most students get only 120 hours, I actually was awarded 150 hours. So my point again is, when it comes to the Sabbath, if God really wants us to practice this, he's going to make a way for us to participate in it and enjoy in this gift that he's making available for us. So as we close today, let's just create a sacred space, as Pastor Ricky always says, and let's just think about the words that have just been shared. Perhaps we need to spend just a moment repenting and saying, God, I haven't really been taking the Sabbath seriously. I've been a little bit too dismissive. Maybe I've been a little too self-reliant. And I've been saying, God, you're not really my source. I've allowed my job and my occupation to be my source to provide for my needs. We might be also saying, God, would you help me to remember and to guard this gift of rest? Thank you for it. I would be crazy not to accept this gift and take a day off and to rest. Why is it that I would need God to force me to rest? Would you please grant me the creativity? In fact, I would like to challenge everyone in the next week to make a list of 10 ways that we can celebrate the Sabbath. Maybe five ways that we can celebrate it as an individual, but also five ways that we can celebrate the Sabbath with our family and friends and our neighbors. But for also others that you might have heard me say earlier, we talk about the ultimate Sabbath. What I'm talking about is rest from sin and being set free from any chains or bondages that we're experiencing. Jesus Christ promises us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if we confess him as our Lord and Savior, that we can have a place in heaven. That is the ultimate Sabbath that he wants us to celebrate with him. So if that's you today, we just want to provide some resources for you so that you can continue to grow in your relationship with Christ as you learn what it means to truly follow him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message today. We thank you for the reminder of this precious gift of your Sabbath that you granted to us so that we could experience rest from the daily grind, that we can experience rest from our jobs and our occupations and to be reminded constantly that we need to trust in you to provide for all of our needs. I ask that you would bless any person who today is wanting to make the decision to follow you and to live for you for the rest of their lives. Would you begin to seal this work in their hearts, that they would begin to pray and seek you daily, and that you would bless, bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thank you again for joining us. We love you, be blessed, and we'll see you again next week.